Welcome to the Tarleton BSM Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our director, Clayton Bullion. So, typically, the last four or two, what we typically do is we commission our Go Now missionaries. Um, we commission our students that are headed out on missions. Because of COVID, that has kind of looked kind of weird. And so even this week, there's still some positions that are being decided upon and some things like that. And so um, we are having student missionaries this summer. We're just, it, we're not 100% sure yet. And so we're going to commission them um, through some social media posts and celebrate them and let you know how to pray for them and who they are at a later date. Um, so those of you that are going on missionaries, we haven't forgot about you. We're just still kind of waiting for some details on that. Okay. So, with all that said, let's jump into our last Quarantine Canteen Survival Kit. Um, probably the only really good thing out of COVID that's come is the memes. Um, so let's take a second, let's look at some of those. Um, some of y'all are wearing masks and have a car that looks like this. Some of y'all are wearing masks and your dorm room looks like that. Yep, shots fired. Okay, next. When someone asks where you see yourself in five years, or after graduation, or even in August, um, and it's, buddy, I'm just trying to make it through April 30th. Excellent. Um, and I don't know if you can read that, so I'll read it to you. It says, to my parents who said staying at home plus playing video games would never prepare you for the real world, checkmate. And then last, Lord, please give me a sign if you think I'm eating too much. Yep, there it is. So there's your, your quarantine canteen survival kit. Um, so we're going to kind of jump right into the kind of the sermon. Um, and this is going to be one of those things where we're going to talk a little bit um, to our teams that we're commissioning, um, but also to you guys, because in, in the true sense of the world, we're all kind of transitioning a little bit, um, whether it's from the semester to whatever I'm doing this summer or transitioning from being here at Charlton, being sent out. Um, to these other campuses and so there's sometimes I'm going to be looking a little bit off screen and I'm making eye contact with people that are behind you um, and sometimes I'm talking to you guys so we're just afford me that that level of awkwardness here and don't check out and head to Netflix okay um, to do this I want to talk a little bit about who we're in debt to um, and I realize that we're all in debt to Tarleton and we're paying those student loans but who is it that you would say, man, I'm in debt to this person and I wouldn't be where I am today unless they had, hadn't stepped in? Um, if you feel comfortable with that, man, go ahead and shoot that name in, in the comments and just say, man, I'm in debt to this person. They're, this is a person that really changed my life, really impacted my life. For me, um, I want to say Andy Dennis. Andy Dennis was my BSM director. Um, Andy was the first person um, that told me that I could start stuff. He's the first person that really said, Clayton, I think you have what it takes to do, to do ministry in this capacity. Um, as a college student, he said, hey, I'd love for you to lead our Thursday night thing that we've got going on. Um, and he was the first person that said, hey, I, I'll give you a chance to teach in front of people. And literally hundreds of college students have regretted it that he ever gave me that chance since then. Um, I'm also in debt to my mom. Shout out, mom. Um, you've prayed for me every day in my life plus nine months. Um, I can't imagine how many times I almost died, and so thank you for praying for me, because I didn't die. Okay, so with that said, I want to share a, a person in Scripture that really we all owe a lot to, and several people in Scripture owe a lot to, but 
because of whatever reason, he just doesn't show up a lot. He's not one of those guys that ends up in the spotlight. He's just kind of been behind the scenes. Um, but I want to share a little bit with one of my friends or one of my heroes named Barnabas, okay? So what's going to happen is if you're new to the Bible or you're new to us, um, your Bible is divided into Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament is the story of God working with this people called Israel and how he created the world. And then the New Testament is the story of Jesus. And the New Testament starts off with four Gospels, which are the stories of Jesus' life on the earth. His perfect, perfect life, his miracles, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave. And then this thing called the Book of Acts. And that's kind of the first several decades of the church. And then right after that are letters that early church pastors wrote back and forth to each other. And so we're going to spend a lot of time in Acts. We're just kind of work through this story. So if you've got a Bible and you think you're really fast, then we're going to run through that and you can kind of check that out. But if not, we're going to put the words up on the screen. Um, but the church had just kind of formed, and they had like 3,000 people come to know Jesus, and become followers of Jesus in one day. And so they're trying to figure out how do we serve people, how do we love people. Um, and they, the people who had began to share with the people who didn't. Um, and so this guy named Barnabas rolls up in Acts 4, and Acts 4.36, this is what happens. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means sons of encouragement, sold a field he owned, and he brought the money to put it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas put everything he had in God's hands. Um, guys, whatever your summer looks like, um, could I encourage you to put everything in God's hands? No matter what your summer looks like, whether it looks like it's going to be a good summer or a bad summer, whatever you have, take it and give it to the Lord, and he can use it for great things. We see this the first time Barnabas shows up on the scene. Well, five chapters later, in the process of this, this guy named Saul, at this point was kind of a religious terrorist who was going around killing Christians. He comes to know Jesus and begins preaching the gospel. And so he makes his way back to Jerusalem to the apostles or Jesus' disciples, and he says, Hey, I'm now a Jesus follower. Let me in. And the disciples are like, Ah, no. You killed a lot of people. We're, we don't trust you. And all of a sudden, Barnabas steps in again. And this is what happened in verse 26, Acts 9, 26. It says, So when he, Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And they weren't believing that he really was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly the name of the Lord. Now we know that Saul eventually changed his name to Paul. But think through this, guys. There was a time when Paul wasn't accepted. There was a time where Saul wasn't accepted amongst the church. Can you imagine what a travesty that would have been for the church says, we are people who are followers of Jesus, and all of a sudden they're excluding someone who says, I've been radically changed by him. And Barnabas steps in and says, no, he's legit, he's with me. Guys, this summer, God may bring a Saul into your life. And he doesn't look like a Saul, he doesn't look like the Paul who wrote the New Testament, he just looks like a guy who's trying to figure out what it looks like to love Jesus. Guys, don't miss it. Wherever you're headed, whether you're headed as a marketplace missionary and you're going to get a job this summer and work, or you're headed home to your, maybe your family that's not followers of Jesus, or you're headed back to your high school friends, or you're staying here in the Ville trying to figure out what life looks like, or you're headed to the mission field, or like these guys, you guys are headed to a different campus. Guys, don't miss the Saul in front of you. 
Don't miss the Saul in front of you. Because he could change your life and you could change his. Don't miss potential. And guys, you guys are headed out to campuses. I know this to be true because I've seen Saul's land on our campus over and over and over again. And through God's grace, he's transformed them into Paul's. Um, And many of you guys fit that. You stepped on our campus trying to figure out what walking with Jesus looks like. And through God's grace, you're leaving and being sent out as Paul's. Don't miss the Saul's that are walking in Oregon State and University of Oregon and in San Antonio. Don't miss them. Barnabas saw the potential. But not only did he see the potential, but he also made room. And he realized that he couldn't do it by himself. So we're going to run through Acts 12 and 13 real quick so you can get a picture of this. Acts 12, 25. So Barnabas and Saul, notice the pattern there. Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem when they completed their service. Acts 13, 2. So while they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul, which we're going to do that with our teams here in a little bit. We're going to set them apart. Acts 13, 4. Barnabas and Saul head to Cyprus. Acts 13, 7. The proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul. Picking up a pattern here. All right, all of a sudden things change. Acts 13, 13. Barnabas, or Paul and Barnabas head to Antioch. Now it's not Barnabas and Saul, but it's out Paul and his companions. Acts 13, 43. After meeting with the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts of Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. Things are changing. 13, 46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, Acts 13.50, But the Jews incited a devout woman of high standing and leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. And you say, why, why is that a big deal? Well, so I'm married, and I'm married to a beautiful woman named Bethany. Um, and when you listen to my family talk about me and my wife and our family, they always talk about Clayton and Bethany. Well, Clayton and Bethany are coming. When's Clayton and Bethany going to be here? Why are Clayton and Bethany always late? Okay? When you listen to Bethany's family talk about us, they always talk about Bethany and Clayton. Bethany and Clayton are coming. Man, that's so great. Bethany and Clayton and the kids are coming. See, what happens in people's minds is they often mention the most imminent, predominant person first, and then whoever else is next. And we see here, all of a sudden, in the minds of the believers in the church, that it goes from Barnabas and his sidekick Saul, who becomes Paul, and it switches and all of a sudden becomes Paul and his sidekick Barnabas. Now guys, have you ever been a part of one of those awkward transitions? Somehow Barnabas, in his, in his wisdom or his foreknowledge, realizes that he is not the body of Christ. He's a part of the body of Christ, but he doesn't have all the giftings. He doesn't have all the wisdom. He doesn't have to have the spotlight. And in this moment, he realizes Paul's better suited for this. And you, so you see Barnabas take a side or a step backwards so Paul can operate in his gifting. Barnabas made room. Guys, as you march into whatever's next, make room for the people around you. 
because their giftedness and their ability may be the key to seeing the gospel move forward in the places that you're headed. And so Acts 13, they go through the land, they're teaching, they're sharing the gospel, they're planting churches, cool things are happening. And then all of a sudden, Acts 15, the wheels seem like they begin to fall apart. Acts 15, 36. So sometime later, Paul, and Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached. The word of the Lord, seeing how they were doing. And Barnabas wanted to take John, also called John Mark, <clears throat> with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he deserted them in Pamphylia and not continued with them in work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. So Barnabas took Mark and they sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and they left, commended by the believers of the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicily is strengthening the churches. Guys, John Mark, sometime in Acts 13, best we can tell, John Mark started missing home, and he's like, I'm done with this. And so Acts 15 rolls around, it's like, Barnabas is like, hey, remember John Mark? Let's give John Mark another chance. And Paul says, no, he's a quitter. I'm done with him. And it's interesting because the same thing Barnabas did for Paul, he's trying to do with John Mark, and Paul won't do it. And so Barnabas, there's such a sharp disagreement. Barnabas believes in John Mark so much and the mission of God in John Mark's life that he says, all right, fine, you head this way and I head this way. Students, who has been the person who hasn't given up on you? Who's been the Barnabas when you've been the John Mark? Guys, headed out. Who's been, who's been the Barnabas when you've been John Mark? Who hasn't given up on you? But I think the other question is, who, who have we been tempted to give up on? Upperclassmen, you know, you're thinking through that freshman. They're like, man, I wanted to, we were in this discipleship, and I wanted them to grow in the relationship with the Lord, and they just kind of went flaky. Don't, don't be a Paul in this situation. Be a Barnabas. You may be thinking, well, I've, I've, I've tried to share the gospel with this person, and it just hasn't worked. Don't grow weary in doing good, the scripture says in Galatians. Because if you stick with it, in due time you reap harvest. And this is where the beauty of this happens. Because Acts 13, or Acts 15, sorry, Barnabas and John Mark just kind of ride off into the sunset. We never hear really about them again. But then we see all of Paul's journeys, the rest of Acts, and all of Paul's writings. And all of a sudden, in 2 Timothy, which is one of Paul's last letters before he marches off to his, to his death, his execution. Stuck at the end of 2 Timothy, this is what it says. And he's writing, he says, guys, only Luke is with me. But get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Only Luke is with me. Go get John Mark because he is useful to me. Something happened when Barnabas and John Mark went off where John Mark grew in his relationship with the Lord in such a way that Paul said, he is valuable to me. And if best we can tell, if Barnabas hadn't invested in John Mark, then we'd have never heard from John Mark again. Now you ask the question, why? Why is this important? Well, it's important for a lot of different reasons, but 
This John Mark is the same John Mark that we know who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And best we know is that Mark was the first gospel written and that Matthew and Luke based a lot of their content off of Mark. So think through this with me. If Barnabas hadn't invested in John Mark, we probably wouldn't have the gospel of Mark or Matthew or Luke. It goes even further than that. Barnabas invested in Paul and said, Paul, I want you to be a part of what's going on. I'm going to, bet, I'm going to step back so you can lead. And if, you take, if you've got your paper copy of the Bible, go ahead and take Romans all the way to Philemon and bunch that together. Because that wouldn't be in your Bible unless Barnabas had invested in Paul. Sixteen of the 27 books of the New Testament probably wouldn't have made it if Barnabas hadn't said, I'm going to see your potential, I'm going to make room for you, and I'm not going to give up. Barnabas lived for a movement, a gospel movement. He didn't live for the moment, because the moment would have said, this is hard, Paul's, Paul's a handful, and I don't want to upset the disciples. Go find something to do. This is hard, I'd rather be the leader, Paul. We're going to do, go different ways. This is hard in the moment, and I don't want to fight Paul over John Mark. And John Mark obviously is a lot of work. So I'm just going to do something else. Now, somehow Barnabas looked at this and said, there's a gospel movement about to take place. I've got to invest in these people. Barnabas shows us, guys, if you want to see oaks of righteousness in 10 years, then you have to plant gospel acorns today. If you want to see your family coming to the Lord, then you plant gospel seeds this summer, right now. If you want to see your high school friends come to the Lord, then you plant gospel seeds now. Guys, as you head to your campuses, in 10 years you want to see students being sent out and changed by the gospel, then you plant seeds now. You plant seeds now so you can sit under trees 10 years from now. You begin investing in potential. This year many of us, well many of our students, many of you guys can point and say, this person was patient with me. This person brought me in. This person hasn't given up on me. And you know why they did that to you? You know why they Barnabas you? It's because somebody did it with them. Somebody was patient with them when they were flaky. Somebody was persistent when, with them when they didn't want to be consistent. And somebody did it with them who did it with them. And it traces all the way back to Jesus being patient with his disciples. And guys, my question is, as we roll into the summer, we roll into what's next, is does the chain end with you? This is what God has been doing in this movement that God is starting. Does it end with you? Or are you going to continue to move on and continue to press in? Students, my prayer for you this summer is wherever you head, or maybe it's just going to be a whole bunch of the same, because let's face it, COVID stinks, is that you would be like Barnabas and you would not grow weary. 
and you would press in and invest in people. And you'd plant those gospel seeds so in due time we could see a harvest. Just like somebody planted gospel seeds in your life and is getting to see the harvest in you. So students, in a second we're going to commission our teams and we're going to hear some of their stories. Um, But right now, we want to commission you guys. Because the truth is, our Go Now missionaries are missionaries. And we're sending out our campus missions team. But the truth is that all of us are missionaries. And the call is to go and make disciples. That's not the missionary calling. That's the calling of following Christ. And so wherever, wherever you're headed, whatever you're doing, you're headed somewhere on a gospel mission. And you may say, well, I'm the missionary to my hometown, wherever, wherever, small town, USA. Or I'm the gospel missionary to my fast food restaurant that I have to work at. I'm the gospel missionary to wherever I'm headed this summer. I just want to do something. I want to pray for you guys. Because the truth is, is that the Lord's going to disperse us and send us out over the summer. And God willing... The first Thursday of the fall, we'll gather back together and we'll rejoice in the things that God has done. But let's, let's take a second and let's pray as you head out on your mission trips, whatever that looks like. God, I'm grateful for our students. And I'm grateful for the places that you're sending them. God, and I pray that you'd give them tremendous favor. God, just like the disciples, so many times they walk in and Jesus says, hey, you're looking for this. And they'd walk in there and they'd see whatever it is because you prepare the way. God, I pray you prepare the way for our students. And as they spend time with family, God, we know that a prophet is without honor in his hometown. And God, I pray, I pray, I pray that you would work in mighty ways. Just like your, your brothers and your sisters didn't believe you were God, but eventually a couple of them wrote books of the Bible, so they believed. And so, God, we prayed that for our Students that are at home, no matter how big the struggle is, that eventually their families would believe and they would plant gospel seeds. God, I pray for our friends and our students that are working. God, I pray that you give them opportunities and you give them favor with their coworkers. God, I pray for our student missionaries when they get their assignments and figure out what that looks like. God, we pray that you'd prepare the place for them. And God, as you send out Tarleton BSM and her friends, um, that you'd be faithful to gather us back up again in the fall to celebrate the things that you've done. We pray these things for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Okay. So we're fixing the transition in time of getting to commission our teams. And some of you may be asking the question, like, what is commissioning and what teams? Um, And I get that. Um, In 2015, the Lord really birthed a vision in us as a BSM that we could be a place that not only students who've been impacted and changed by the gospel come to, but a place that students who are impacted and changed by the gospel are sent out from. We begin to see ourselves less as just a campus ministry, but also as a, as a missionary sending agency. And some of you guys are going to graduate and you're going to go be teachers and you're going to be businessmen, but you're still a missionary to those places. Some of you guys are going to say, I feel like I'm called to full-time ministry, and I'm figuring out what that looks like. And you may go to grad school. Well, that's great. You're the missionary there. Some of you say, I'm going to complete my education and get a secular master's. Great. You're the missionary there. But we're also been praying that as the gospel impacts students at Tarleton, 
and their lives are changed by it, that they would say, I'm willing to give back a year or two years or a lifetime so that other college students could be impacted by the gospel and other campuses could be impacted by the gospel. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but of all the campuses, university and college campuses in the U.S., best we could tell, 70% of them do not have a gospel presence on them. That means that students are walking their two years, their four years, their six years across campus, and the gospel is not interrupting their lives. And we came to a spot where we realized that the question is, if, if we don't tell them, who will? And if we don't go, who will? And we just came to a place as a ministry and say, we are not okay with this. And so we came to a spot where we said, we're going to do everything we can to send every single person we can, as far as we can, as long as we can, as often as we can, so that college students could hear the gospel. Because if you reach the campus, you reach the world. Because the college demographic is the most moldable, sendable demographic on the planet. And so we came to a spot where we said, we are going to begin to act like a mission-sending organization. We're going to do everything we can to make sure as many people as we can send them to as many places and campuses as possible. And so in 2015, we said, what could we do with the Northwest? And we began to say, what could we do to send students and send campus ministers to the 95 campuses um, in Northwest Collegiate Ministries in Oregon and Washington? Um, but also out of that birth, this realization that we had campuses in our own backyard, like Ranger College, that had no gospel presence on it. And so as we started saying, how do we send people there? How do we send people here? And began to ripple, ripple effect out. Um, and so guys, really, some of the things that you're going to see tonight and the stories you're going to hear tonight are prayers that we started praying in 2015. And if I could be a thousand percent honest, full disclosure, guys, my plan for you as a college student at Tarleton is that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and you would follow him wherever he asked you to go. And my prayer is that he would ask you to give your life in campus ministry. I just said it, you know it. But my prayer is that God would call you to give your life back so that more college students could hear you say, well, I want more marketplace missionaries. Oh, we need more teachers who are believers. Well, great. Then go to the place they train teachers so that more teachers in training can hear and respond to the gospel. It makes sense to position people at the crossroads where people are making that decision and put as many people at the crossroads so that more people can hear and respond to the gospel and make an impact. You want more marketplace missionaries? then you reach more college students. You want more pastors in 20 years? Well, then you reach college students today. So, this is not just a commissioning them, but this is also saying, guys, this could be you. None, we're fixing to commission a whole lot of people, and all of them have secular degrees. All of them stepped foot on the college campus. Several of them not having a relationship with Jesus or walking in habitual sin and found freedom in that. And God changed them. So, that's, the, that's where we're headed. So, the kind of the, the format you can see, we're going to show a, a brief video, kind of introducing the team, and then we're going to pray for them. Brief video, pray for them, okay? They're not very long videos. Hang with me. Let's do this. Hey, guys. My name is Tyler Martinez, and this is my wife, Kaylee Martinez. And we are moving to Eugene, Oregon 
this fall and we'll be working at the University of Oregon campus and the Lane Community College campus in Eugene. Hi, my name is Ashley Marshall and I'm heading to the University of Oregon in July. Tyler and I both went to college at Tarleton State University and through the BSM we took multiple mission trips up to the Pacific Northwest. On these trips we went to different college campuses and got to help with NCMs up there and other campus ministries. And during the, these trips, um, God just really broke both of our hearts um, for these campuses because there's little to no gospel presence um, on these campuses all across Washington and Oregon. Oregon was always the one place that I always said that I would never move to. It's far away from my family and friends. It's cold. It rains all the time. And I just didn't want to go there. Never tell God that you don't want to go somewhere because in my experience, it always ends up being the place that God calls you to. In this past October, um, Tyler and I got to take a trip to um, the University of Oregon to help um, University of Oregon NCM um, launch the first week of school. And so on this trip, we got to meet lots of students um, and have gospel appointments with them. Um, students who knew the Lord and wanted to grow in their relationship with Him during college, um, but more so many students who don't know the Lord. Some of which had questions about Him and what that looks like. Um, others who just weren't really open uh, to Christianity or anything. Um, but we fell in love with this campus and we fell in love with the students there and um, just how big of a gospel impact it could have. So as we came back from that trip, um, we really prayed about it and had others come alongside of us and pray about it as well. And we felt like God was asking us to move up there. And so this summer we get to move up there and we are so excited to be on campus um, to help NCM um, and to get to share the gospel. Over the last year, God's really been working on my heart towards Oregon. Several of my friends over the last several years have gone to Oregon and they always come back bearing amazing stories and an increased burden for the lost. So I knew all the stories and all the statistics about what Christianity in the Northwest was like, but it wasn't until I went for myself that God really broke my heart for Oregon. One morning on campus when I was there in October, I was standing down a um, on a street where there was educational buildings down both sides, and there were hundreds of students coming out of the building and going into the building for class. And it hit me then that there are hundreds and hundreds of students there with almost no access to the gospel, and I knew someone needed to go and tell them. And I realized that I couldn't expect someone else to go if I wasn't willing to go myself. And so God, in that moment, called me to Oregon to go and share the gospel to those who didn't know him. What, I'm, what we are really excited about is that Lane Community College and University of Oregon have 53,000 students between the two. Um, Garrett told me a statistic of 1% of them are believers, so that's roughly about 530. Um, and Garrett and Rachel have already met some of these people, and they're already engaging campus, both Lane Community and University of Oregon. And they're seeing non-believers come, be interested. And something that we're excited about is coming alongside that. Um, we've been to the Northwest twice already, specifically to the University of Oregon and or the Lane Community College campus. And we've built up relationships. And so what Kaylee and I are both excited about is going there, building on these relationships, seeing our friends really at this point come know the Lord so that they can start sharing with their friends and we could see the gospel impact um, at the University of Oregon and at Lane Community College.
college just to see what God does there. I'm excited to make new friends, to experience a new culture, and I'm excited to see that first person accept Christ and for that same person to lead their friends to the Lord as well. And I'm excited for the future when there is no campus left in the Northwest or heck even the world without a gospel presence. So I'm excited to see what God will do. Go Ducks! Awesome. So I'm joined up here with the University of Oregon team. And so Tyler and Kaylee Martinez and Ashley Marshall, and they're actually joining the team that we got to be a part of sending last year, which is we sent Garrett and Rachel Harmon, um, as well as Emily Chapel. Um, and so just thinking through you guys and your journey. Um, so Tyler, you, you came to campus and I remember you meeting with Warren Etheridge and Wesley Fuller. Um, and there's this moment kind of midway through your journey um, where God just really got a hold of you. And I remember seeing a different from like sophomore Tyler to junior Tyler. Um, I've just been really grateful to see what God has done and, and how he's shaped you and gifted you um, in the past couple years that you've been on staff. Um, and then Kaylee, of course, she all got married. Um, so that's good. Um, and Kaylee, you came to our campus and, and didn't come from a background where you, you didn't come from a religious home. I um, mean, you came to know Christ. Um, and just thinking through like your freshman year on the same hall as Ashley and and I'm just kind of blown, still kind of blown away thinking through like what God did on your hall. And of course, Jordan Winkler is a part of that. And her and Daniel are at Charlton Fort Worth BSM now. Um, I'm just kind of blown away, especially just thinking through y'all in the conversation. I don't know if you remember this, but April, your freshman year of college, which is like 100 years ago, uh, back in the corner, there's like an office there now. Um, we had this conversation about what would it look like for you guys um, to give your life to college ministry. Um, and y'all were very nice freshmen and said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And, <laughs> and who knew that we were all signing up for this, right? Um, but you guys are headed to the University of Oregon. Kind of last year we sent the first wave of relaunching that ministry with the Harmons and Emily. And then you guys are joining them this year. Um, so what are some things that we could be praying for you guys about? And we, we have the script up here <laughs> for you guys at home too. Um, so a couple things. The first, I think that we're all praying is that COVID would go away so we can have our typical fall outreach on campus. Um, we are all looking for places to live in a time where no one is showing apartments in person. I didn't think it could get more complicated, but it has, it's fine. Um, and we're all support raising our salaries and part of our um, ministry budgets. So just that people would come alongside of what God's doing um, in the Northwest. Yeah, we're also asking you guys to pray for favor for the campuses that we'll be at. So both Lane Community College, which is the community college in Eugene, but also at University of Oregon. So praying for favor um, with the students and the faculty and everyone we're running into there. Um, and then finally, just so that God would continue to move and start raising up student leaders um, so that they could see their friends coming to know the Lord um, and train them to share the gospel with their friends as well. Awesome. Um, so guys, I'm going to pray for them, um, and if you could, wherever you're at, um, if you would pray along, um, and we'll, we'll commission these guys and send them out. God, I'm really grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for Tyler and Kaylee and Ashley. God, I'm grateful um, for the legacy that they leave on our campus and the campuses that they've served. God, I'm grateful um, that you, so long ago, we prayed for workers for the harvest field. 
um, the Luke 10 to prayer, and you've raised them up. Um, God, I'm grateful for Garrett and Rachel, um, Artie and Eugene, and God, I pray that you would unify this team. God, I pray that you would bless them and you would keep them and your face would shine upon them. We pray these things for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Let's see our next team. Hey, I'm Luke. And I'm Becca. Uh, we are on staff here at Tarleton BSM. I'm actually a proud Tarleton alumni. Um, I graduated in 2018. I started coming to the BSM as a freshman and got, got pretty plugged in. Hey guys, my name is Lisa, and if you don't know me, I'm a Tarleton graduate, and I had the pleasure of being a campus missionary intern here at Tarleton State University. And I'm super excited to go with Luke and Becca to Oregon State University. Oregon State is a campus of about 30,000, and um, as best they can tell, maybe a thousand of those students would claim to be followers of Christ. Um, but even that is a high estimate. Um, it is a really beautiful campus. Um, the students there are really smart. It's a STEM school, um, so science, engineering, technology, mathematics, those, those sorts of things. Um, so what students are really passionate about there. Um, and so because of that, um, students are very um, academically focused. Um, they spend a lot of time working on school um, and, and trying to, to get good grades and things like that. And don't spend a lot of time in community. Um, and, and because of that, um, something that's just really common, not just at Oregon State, but in a lot of campuses in the Northwest, um, is anxiety and depression. Um, and so one of the things that we hope to do um, while we're on campus is um, offer these students um, the hope and, and freedom that's found in a relationship with Christ. Um, and we, uh, we truly believe that, um, that the Lord um, is going to do something really cool at Oregon State. Uh, but something else that's really neat about the campus is that just 15 minutes away um, is uh, Lynn Benton Community College, which is a stu uh, student body of about 10,000 and it has little to no gospel presence at all. Um, and so it is really close to Oregon State um, and, and the possibilities of the Lord um, doing something really incredible there um, are also really great. So we're excited about that. My relationship with the NCM goes back to 2015 when Clayton came back from the Pacific Northwest and painted a vision to the Tarleton BSM staff of a partnership with the Northwest College Ministries. My journey with NCM has been pretty emotional over the past five years, as some of you can attest, but I am so grateful that five years later, I get to go and be a part of what the Lord is doing on the campuses in the Northwest. The Northwest really hasn't had its time yet. There's, if we look through history, there's the, the Great Awakenings on the East Coast, and we have the Bible Belt in the South, but there's not really been a movement of God in the Northwest yet. Um, and so he he'd said a lot of a lot of ministry that's going on there now is a lot is more pioneering than harvesting. There's a lot of, of digging out roots and moving boulders in order to plow the field, to plant the seeds, to reap the harvest. And so that's kind of the mindset we're going into. We're really hopeful um, that we will see lots of fruit, um, but we're we're expecting to work really hard. Um, and when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, it, it speaks in terms of all and every. And so we really believe that the kingdom 
It's longing to be at Oregon State and that all and every student at Oregon State uh, be a part of it. And so we're, we're hoping and we're, we're working and our mission is to, to get all and every student at Oregon State in, in contact with the kingdom that they would have a chance to respond to the gospel. So guys, I'm here with the Oregon State University NCM team. And so I've got Luke and Becca Johnson and Lisa Reidiger. Um, and so just thinking, telling a little bit of you guys' story. So uh, Luke and Becca, you obviously are married. Um, you have the same last name. Um, it's, that's better than y'all being brother and sister. That's, that'd be weird. Um, there's really no recovery from this. Nope. Nope. All right. Just nope. keep going. Take two. So Luke, <laughs> kind of thinking through your story. Um, so my first remembering you, so of course, Becca was a freshman, got to know Becca, and it was like Becca's junior year before I realized that Becca had a plus one. It may have been her sophomore year, but it's like, wow, okay, so she, she got a boyfriend. That's cool. Um, not realizing that it was like a long-term serious boyfriend. And then I remember having the conversations about after you graduated, y'all coming on staff, and really just kind of thinking through someone coming from the outside, kind of being a part of our DNA, um, kind of the, the wild olive branch grafted in. And I'm just kind of really overwhelmed, to be really honest, because I think the, the shot of Luke Johnson that has been Charlton BSM has made us so much better. Um, I'm really grateful to see the guys that you've invested in, um, that you're leaving behind. Um, and I'm just, I'm, thank you, man. Um, it's, it's, there we go. Uh, Becca. So Becca, uh, your freshman year, I had a conversation with you by the door and um, it was a conversation like, what do you, you know, it's like, well, I'm the speaker of the house as a freshman in, in Student Government Association. I was like, oh my gosh, this, this girl's a world changer. Um, and I don't think either one of us really knew what that meant at, the, at this time. Um, but just thinking through um, every, every time like I meet a freshman girl and it's, it's like, man, she is, she just, she gets it. Like she's thinking missionally. She's thinking, how do I engage the law? She's thinking, how do I grow my relationship with God? And if I say, all right, who do you meet with? And it's usually this conversation, this conversation. And about third or fourth generation up, it's like, well, they meet with Becca Johnson. Um, and I'm just thinking through so many of the, the, so many solid students who share the gospel and want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly can trace their lineage back to you. Um, and I just think through, like, as you head to Oregon State, I'm really excited to see, like, little freshman beavers who can say the same thing. Um, but I'm also really excited because the next four years as a BSM, we're going to have really strong female leadership because of your investment, your spiritual DNA, and your fingerprints over our ministry. Um, and Lisa, you, so you were the, the freshman that, that wanted to transfer, that transferred um, twice, and then transferred back. Um, and I'm... I'm so grateful that you did. I remember having those conversations. Um, and I remember you moving into our house um, in the mother-in-law apartment. And I remember so many times, um, I remember so many times trying to figure out where my daughter was. And I looked up and like, you had let Sophia invade your house. And you probably had really important things happening, but instead you were like watching Disney Junior or whatever she was into at the time. Um, but then I also think through not just the impact you've had on my family's life, um, like for so long, everything that was orderly in the BSM is because you ordered, ordered it. 
Um, I think through kind of how the, the house band, the 4-2 house band operated for the season under your leadership. And it was some of the strongest years of our musicians and our discipleship. Um, and I'm kind of jealous because like the Oregon State team is set to launch because you've already got a worship leader, you've got teacher. I mean, just y'all are, y'all are really set. Um, so that's enough. I'll stop talking. But thinking through you guys transition to Corvallis, what are some things we could pray for you guys about? Uh, well, there's a lot. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, we are, are starting from the ground up, so we're not even an organization on campus yet. So you can pray for a favor with our university as we uh, look for students uh, and establish a student organization so we can reach more students. Um, also, this isn't something we can do on our own, um, but it's going to take a a lot of people um, around us uh, and a lot of people in Corvallis around us. And so you can pray for church partnerships as we seek to uh, to start making those. Um, and as we're going to be kind of the new kid on the block for a while, um, we we want to we want to make a good impression, but we also just want 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 churches to come alongside us to to see that we're doing good things and that we're a force to be valued. Um, we're also praying for our first year or two. Uh, we'd love to see 15 students to invest in in discipleship. Um, and so we just, that's kind of a good benchmark is, is 15. It could be high, could be low, we'll, but that's where we're headed. Um, and then also you can pray for a smooth transition for us uh, as we move to a new town and, and have a new campus. And that, that looks like our support raising process uh, as we begin that or have begun that uh, as well as looking for housing and things like that excellent well let me pray for you guys and if you guys would pray along with me as we commission these guys god i'm grateful for luke and for becca and for lisa um, god i'm grateful that you would save them and that you would call them um, we just recognize over and over that you've been good um, you've been good to us to get to be a part of their lives and you've been good to them and God, I pray as, the, as you send them out, God, that you would prepare the way for them in miraculous and powerful ways. Um, that you'd give them favor as they talk to the churches and cast a vision for what it looks like for Oregon State Beavers to hear and respond to the gospel. God, I pray that you would give them favor as they pitch this to freshmen that they meet and upperclassmen. God, I pray as they encounter prodigals who are running from the Lord and students who are, are trying to figure out what's next. God, I pray um, that their gospel proclamation would be bold. Um, God, we pray in the years to come that we would see beavers being sent out all over the nation and all over the campuses. God, that lives and families would be transformed by the work of these three. God, we pray for their housing situation. We pray for all the things needed and the details. God, we pray that you would orchestrate those things in a powerful and a very beautiful way. Um, God, we pray that administration would see them as a friend and not a foe. Um, as they have those conversations about being a student organization, God, that you would open up the doors in very clear and bold ways. And we look forward to seeing those students be engaged um, and part of what's going on in scene there. And we pray these things for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Hey, everyone. My name is Meg Craig. A lot of y'all already know me. And in June, I am going to be heading to San Antonio to plant a BSM at San Antonio College. When I first started in college ministry in 2015, I had no idea that the Lord was going to send me on this grand adventure. 
but my spring semester, I received and finally answered the call to do full-time collegiate ministry. The Lord was preparing me to equip and teach and train students to wholeheartedly follow God and obey Him, ultimately sharing the gospel with others and caring for them. I'm going to be moving to San Antonio to do the same thing because in San Antonio there are 150,000 college students and there's one BSM and there's also not a lot of other college ministries on the campuses there. So myself and three others are going to be heading there this summer and launching in the fall to begin the work on these college campuses. One campus will be UTSA and the other will be San Antonio College. We're gonna all be working together as a Metro team to strategize and plan on how we can launch a gospel assault and ultimately see a kingdom movement happen in San Antonio. I would really appreciate your prayers as we launch into this journey. And if you guys want any more information, you can follow me on Facebook. So we're here with the Tarleton portion of the San Antonio Metro team, uh, Meg Craig. Um, and so Meg, We'll just we'll just have this fun story. Um, we'll uh, well let's talk about these people. Okay. And then we'll we'll have the fun story. So Meg is joining the large team to talk about her three uh, teammates. Um, and so Reed Burkett is going to be on that team, leading the charge on one of the campuses in San Antonio as well. And then Rudy from A and M International in Laredo um, is going to be joining. He's graduating sometime in the next couple weeks. Um, and then Jeremiah from UT Dallas. And so really the San Antonio Metro team is a coordination of a lot of different campuses saying they want to see the gospel um, saturate saturate those campuses. Um, so Meg, um, I came to Charlton in 2010, um, which was your freshman year. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we talked about is we we said we're if we can do if we just reach freshmen. And so we had this big dream of like showing up on campus and saying, hey, we're cool, we're hip, we we're a young family, y'all should hang out with us. Um, and that didn't happen, obviously. Um, and we had we had three freshmen show yeah. up: um, you, Katie Jasper, and Warren Etheridge. Yeah. Um, and of course, Katie graduated and, and did two years in India, and is now in Oklahoma and married and, and doing well. Um, we sent Warren a couple years ago to, to TCU, um, and so you're kind of the last one to fly fly the coop, um, so to speak. Um, and I just think through these ten years being here and you being a part of Tarleton BSM and you've really seen every stage of this. Um, you've seen the stage where we would ask and beg students to come be a part of this and we'd open the doors and nobody would show up. Um, you didn't even show up. I'm not holding that against you. That's uh, true. But you straightened out. Um, and, and then you've seen the stages where we've been rolling things out, rolling office chairs out, trying to make room for people. Um, and so you've seen every stage of this thing. Um, and if there's anybody who I could say, man, they, they, this, is, this is the DNA we're asking. This is the DNA we're looking for. Um, I, I, I would hold you up and say that. Um, and I just think through the, the conversation we had about what does it look like to build and send and, and all those things and, and you helping draft some of those, those ways we do things and the trainings that we do those things. Um, and then that conversation last semester after we all went to San Antonio and begged God to, to send people to those campuses. Um, and you coming back and saying, hey, I, told, I asked God to send people. And he said, okay, and he's sending me. Um, <laughs> and that was not the prayer I was praying. I was like, Lord, send anybody, but don't send my team. Um, and you coming back and saying, this is what 
God's called you to do. And just to see the, the team that's rallied behind you um, and just the, the awesome opportunity that's set before you guys to see the gospel planted and to change San Antonio. I'm just really grateful for you and your investment, not just in, in the BSM, but also my family. Um, you've seen my kids grow up. You were Noah, and uh, I already said it, Noah and Nate's first crush as four-year-olds. Um, that's another story. <laughs> I shouldn't have said, I'm sorry, guys, if you're watching. I'm, I'm sorry so, for y'all, too. I'm so doomed. Um, <laughs> but I just, I just, all that to say thank you. Um, so what are some things we could be praying for you and your team? Yeah. Um, so a couple things to pray for us about would be unity for our team as we kind of come together. We're all coming from different schools, different places. And so I just want to see a lot of unity with our team as we plan and strategize um, for San Antonio to see what God's going to do there. Um, and then I think one of the biggest things is similar to Becca and Luke at um, Oregon State University, I um, San Antonio College does not have a BSM. So we're going to be planting there this fall. And so that the administration will be open, that the gatekeepers there would just be willing to open their doors and see us um, as somebody to like serve and honor and love them and care for their campus, um, not just to like I don't know, whatever they may be thinking. So just open doors there. Um, and then lastly, just for all of our team to be fully funded, I think all of us have said something about support raising. So just that we would all be fully funded by July 1st um, and ready to launch on campus. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, would you join me as we pray, pray for Meg and her team? God, I'm really grateful for Meg. Um, and the impact she's had on our campus and the impact she's had on our students. Um, God, I'm grateful for a calling um, that is to follow you. It's not to be comfortable. It's not to stay in the known, but it's to step out of the boat and to go. Um, God, I'm grateful that you have made her a fisher of men um, and that she's trusted you in that. And God, I pray as she goes to San Antonio, as she walks that campus, God, I pray that you'd give her a vision. Um, you'd give her a hope. God, I pray that she would not despise the day of small beginnings, but she would know that you rejoice to see the work start. God, and I pray for unity with Rudy and Reed and Jeremiah as they look at those campuses. God, I pray that they would have your heart and your vision. God, I pray as she walks that campus that you'd send her a freshman that has been like her to me. Um, God, that would be faithful and available and teachable. Um, that would hear and respond and have a heart for you. Um, God, and we pray that you would take what happens on San Antonio College campus and that you would multiply it out to the other campuses and then we look up in five and ten years and then we see there's no campus left in San Antonio without a gospel presence and we pray these things for your glory Jesus and for your renown amen, amen. okay um, well the cry fest is over um, <laughs> hey want to give you guys a couple announcements um, and then we'll wrap this thing up thank you for staying with us I know we've gone a little long if you've heard somebody like hey I want more information about how to get plugged in or could you guys pray for me or maybe you're like man I, I want to get connected with these teams how do I get on their prayer list how do I support them financially if you'd go to BSM talk to bsm.com slash connect um, and just fill that out we'll get in contact with these teams will get in contact you contact with you um, and so also this may be the end of the semester um, and summer may be virtual it may be in person we're not really sure at this point um, but as Tarleton BSM, we've got some plans. We've got a summer project going on. Um, so stay tuned for that. That's going to be in June and July. It's definitely be something you want to be a part of. Um, whether you're in Stephenville or you're remote, it's going to be something for everybody. You guys have a great week and a great summer. We'll see you back here in the fall. 
Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. To keep up with everything Tarleton BSM, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tarleton BSM. See you next time.